You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, welcome back to the Oz Network, as we're here to talk about a Star Wars story, uh, a solo Star Wars story, literally solo a Star Wars story. The second official spinoff of the Disney Star Wars movies, the fifth spinoff of the sixth spinoff, something like that, of all the Star Wars saga, um, and the first time we have seen Han Solo played by somebody other than Harrison Ford. Uh, there was controversy going into this movie. They had about 16 directors on the project. Uh, they probably went $100 million over budget. The movie's finally here. There are people taking shots at it. There are people defending it. Which side are we going to land on? Who knows? You'll have to wait and see. My name is Colin, and I have a kind of okay feeling about this. And my name is Ben, and I hate you. I know. <laughs> I was. I knew one of us was going to do that. <laughs> These things will all make sense to you if you watch Solo, a Star Wars story. And judging by the box office numbers, some of you are, not as many as usual. Uh, we're recording this, I guess, 24 hours after the movies come out, and. I don't know. First, I just want to start off by saying it's kind of annoying that you're hearing all these uh, opinions about, oh, it's the first Star Wars movie to bomb at the box office. It's estimated to make 110 to $120 million this weekend. I'm like, are you serious? Like, if a Marvel movie to this day opens with 110 to $120 million, they're like, it's another massive success for Marvel. Uh, I think based on the fact that this is a spin-off, especially one where you're just recasting and it's not really building on any bigger stories. It's kind of just the start of its own franchise. Uh, it's doing well. You kind of mentioned that there weren't that many people in your theater. I don't know if you saw it at a certain time of day. There were definitely less in mine than I saw for The Last Jedi or Rogue One or any of the others. But uh, I don't know. We'll talk a little bit about the success or lack of success Jamie's been telling me all day I didn't sleep enough last night and I can't finish my sentences so if I start to stumble Ben please just finish um, we'll, Okay. we'll talk about the lack of success or successes this movie had because I think there's good and bad things to talk about but uh, Ben do you want to start off because you saw it first give me your overall just initial impression on Solo can I just, before I point out about, you mentioned the box office, in one day, Solo, a Star Wars story, has nearly made more than Tomb Raider did in its entire theatrical run. <laughs> so um, I think that compared to the movies that we've done this year, it's doing okay. They're doing okay. Um, I went into this really not expecting much because it was kind of like the Jumanji factor. Like, I didn't really like the trailers for it. And I was like, oh, this doesn't look that good. Um, I'm just not a fan of... Um, What's his? Um, you know, I'm really good at these episodes, aren't I? Uh, Aiden, what, how do you even Al, say his name? Alden I'm not a fan of him. Alden Ehrenreich, that guy. Uh, you know, I just did not think he gave any, you know, inkling of uh, comparison to what Han Solo should be and everything along those lines. And plus, obviously, you know, Last Jedi wasn't a fan of Rogue One. I was like, yeah, that was okay. Uh, so, you know, I wasn't expecting much. But I actually kind of went out of this really enjoying it, uh, enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would um you know i think it's definitely got some issues to this film uh it's another case of did we really need this film probably not but i mean i honestly enjoyed this more than rogue one i'll say that straight away i easily enjoyed this more than last jedi um i'm still not maybe completely sold on uh this version of han solo but everything else about this film i think kind of really worked and surprisingly enough to come out of this wanting a sequel to it which i think kind of it's set up mm -hmm. quite well that we're going to at least surely get another one out of this but um 
yeah, I I enjoyed this a lot more than I ever thought I was going to. You know, it's funny because there are some negative opinions and some positive opinions, but basically everybody shares one thing in common is that they all said it was better than I expected because I don't think there was anybody who had high expectations going into Solo. And I don't know if that <laughs> had something to do with, you know, just the movie itself or such an iconic character to deliver a Han Solo movie that is not a Harrison Ford movie, especially where only like three years, not even three years removed from seeing Harrison Ford return to this character it's probably a combination of that and then maybe the trailers just being a little bit underwhelming. Uh, this, I'm just going to say, this is the first Star Wars movie, and this includes the re-release of the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, Rogue One, and even the animated movie. This is the first time I couldn't find somebody to see this with me, so I saw it myself. <laughs> and judging by other empty seats in the theater on opening night, there are probably other ones, but then again, they had it playing in like, four screens in one building so you know it was probably some of it uh, yeah. split up but everybody seems to say it was better than expected uh, whether or not you went into it with extremely low expectations or just sort of mid-range expectations nobody had high expectations I'm kind of the same um, I-, I was looking forward to this I had I guess a little bit more of an optimistic uh, uh, approach than most people did I, I sort of just Knowing Ron Howard is involved, I looked on the bright side of this movie and figured, yeah, it's going to be pretty good. There are problems with this. Um, I'm not going to say it's something that we didn't need a movie for. I think that there's a place to have these spinoffs that aren't all so big. I mean, Rogue One was the perfect spinoff to start for the Star Wars series because it was so tied to A New Hope that it, 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 as we kept talking about, it expanded on A New Hope. It made A New Hope better in some ways, but... The idea of spinoffs was, for at least Lucasfilm's point of view, was always to be just spinoff adventures. Things like this that, you know, you don't have to be that tied to the other series. Uh, more along the lines of, obviously, more quality filmmaking, but more along the lines of like what they did with the Ewok movies. And now they've got the Obi-Wan and Boba Fett <laughs> ones. So this is what we're going to get going forward. It's not going to be these massive stories. And there are parts of this that kind of play out like fan fiction, I guess. Uh, definitely a very novel-like feel to it. it. It doesn't feel as big screen, but there wasn't one minute I was bored in this movie. There were a few points where I thought they could pick up the pace a little bit, but there was nothing boring here. And I'm going to go as far as say that I think that Alden Ehrenreich is Han Solo. I mean, you're never going to be Harrison Ford, but he was just amazing for me in this movie. I loved watching like every mannerism he had, the way he spoke, the way he stood, the little things he did really nailed the Han Solo character and then the rest of the cast as well. So I think there's a lot of good things about this movie and we'll talk about some of the good things and the bad things too, I guess. But uh, overall, I was pleasantly surprised, not completely blown away though. It's interesting you say that about his mannerisms and just how he handled the character because that to me is my issue with him is i just don't see it i just it's got nothing to do with the case of doesn't really look like harrison ford and anything along those lines i think there's just a swagger to han solo that you've got to have and i just don't see that he carries it donald glover carries lando like to Mm. me i can see him as lando easily like so much so i can see him whereas i can't see Alden as as Han Solo so that to me was like the one the big issue i had that and a few little things that happen in this film kind of, to me, come out of nowhere and aren't really explained that well. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like all of a sudden we're on an adventure and we're trying to get this. And I'm like, hang on a minute, did I just find out why you're doing this? <laughs> <laughs> so like, there's yeah. just a few like bits in the film where I just kind of were like, huh? But, you know, I, I, I was the same as you, though. I was never bored in this film. Um, and it was just, 
again, more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. And I think kind of the one thing I will say with this to um, Rogue One, which, again, I'm not the biggest fan of. I don't dislike Rogue One. I just, again, it's there. Um, I think it's very overrated, but, uh, you know, it's still got its place there. I think the difference is, like, going into Rogue One, I think we all knew, the, you know, what's going to happen to these main people because yeah. we know they're not going to show up five minutes later in A New Hope. Whereas this, I think kind of what it did well was that I actually went into this not knowing at what point this was set. I was only after the film did after that cameo mm-hmm. where I'm like, hang on a minute, where is this set in the Star Wars timeline? Yeah. Uh, so there was that. I don't think they went out. They, it's not like Rogue One where they kind of found every single excuse. So he's, he's 3PO. Mm-hmm. It's the guy who doesn't like you. You know, he's, um, you know, all these people that, you know, are tied into A New Hope. It kind of, it, it felt nice that, to me, they didn't seem like they went completely out of their way to service every single fanboy need, mm-hmm. um, which kind of made this unique in its own way. And also, I think kind of the difference of this in Rogue One was that, do we really know a whole lot about what happened to Han Solo? Like the Kessel Run, yes, that's kind of explored in this, mm-hmm. which is great. But outside of that, we don't get a whole lot of his background in the movies. I'm not sure about the comics and all the other ones that are kind of uh, in between hand, but... This, to me, was completely new. I had no idea what happened to Han Solo. Um, the fact that he's... I, I don't know if this is a major... This isn't really a spoiler. The fact that he was part of the Empire for five minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, like, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I, I really enjoyed about this. And I know I've just touched on about ten topics there. But anyway. Well, uh, <laughs> with, like, his backstory and everything, the one thing I, I did really like is that this movie not only finds as many chances as they can to tie to both the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, uh, mm. but they find a lot of excuses to tie to little things in books and novels and like uh, a couple examples I'll give uh, one. This, these aren't spoilers. I mean, if people say that this spoils the movie for them, then I, I feel bad that a five-second line of dialogue, um, a throwaway cameo could spoil it. But like there's a line about one of the characters uh, having interacted with another character named Aura Singh and really unless you you know read a lot of the comics and the books and stuff like that you don't know who Aura Singh is but like if people watch the Phantom Menace during the pod race there's a shot of this woman who's a bounty hunter who's kind of bald with this ponytail and that's Aura Singh and George Lucas originally had the intention that that character was going to be the one in Attack of the Clones the other bounty hunter who dies early in the movie what happened is he saw that Aura Singh through just the image of Aura Singh, the fans kind of like, well, this is a cool looking character. And then she started appearing in books and novels. And by the time he came around to Attack of the Clones, he's like, people are going to hate me if I just kill this character in the first 15 minutes. So let me change the bounty hunter. But they find ways to mention even that. And then a couple other things you mentioned, like the one big cameo on the end, you know, oh. I, I we're not going to spoil anything about it. But I was even at that point thinking it's possible they're going to take a character from the novels and even introduce it because yeah. there are that many little moments that they include in there. Uh, that that kind of so it's kind of something that that tries to please all Star Wars fans and the things with the backstory like with him being in the Empire these are all things that are like told from dis- different sources you're never sure what would be considered canon what was in George Lucas's mind because I always point out to people when you watch A New Hope because when the prequels are out everybody's like which characters are going to be introduced and like we should see a young Han Solo I'm like if you watch the way George Lucas introduced Han Solo in A New Hope. He's pretty much the only character that walks on screen and introduces himself, which means that is mm-hmm. meant to be the first time we see this character. So I don't think George Lucas ever had an intention to get a backstory, which is one of the reasons why I don't think this is necessary. But there are enough little things that have been, you know, 
picked apart through over the years between like the Kessel run and him being from Corellia and what Corellia is, which is basically the shipyard for the empire that they threw all <laughs> those things in there. And I think those things are big star Wars fans are going to walk away from this, at least slightly satisfied <laughs> that they kind of had these nods throughout it. And I, like you said, how that kind of connects the prequels to the, the original trilogy and, you know, you and I and Noel have always kind of, defended the prequels and kind of i think our admiration for the prequels gets bigger and bigger every time disney releases a star wars film um but i i think that that's one thing i know we talked a lot about in the force awakens was that it seemed like they ignored the prequels um and which is understandable considering that everybody hates the prequels but i do like in rogue one how you know there was obviously a, a huge connection to the prequels with a lot of what was being seen there which was great and then yeah i really appreciated that this felt right in between the both trilogies and particularly this is what's technically closer to revenge of the sith than it is a new hope yeah um and i mean that that cameo alone is a <laughs> you know, a prequel moment and like, holy crap, that like just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that alone, that one cameo just makes me want there to be a Isn't sequel to this film, no matter what. The movie's been out for 24 <laughs> hours and we don't have to say, okay, people, there is a cameo. Like it's already so well known that there is such a massive cameo in this movie that all we have to say is that cameo and everybody knows what we're talking yes. about 24 hours later. It's like, but this is the thing, because, I mean, coming out of Rogue One, we kind of knew what was going to happen, right? And maybe the only bit to me that was kind of like, wow, I can't believe, was when we saw, like, Leia right at the end. Yeah. Um, You know, just kind of, that was kind of like, that was a cool moment. But, I mean, really, there wasn't anything in, in Rogue One. I mean, maybe um, oh, Jimmy Smith's, you know, Leia, or Senator Organa, uh, maybe him, uh, you know, Vader on uh, the, the volcano planet, things like that, that. Like, I mean, it was just... Yeah, nice little connections, but there wasn't... It's not like all of a sudden, like, here's this massive cameo we weren't expecting. And this really is... I mean, we haven't seen any of this in the in Last Jedi or Force Awakens, have we? Maybe the Yoda uh, sort of mm-hmm. uh, uh, bit in Last Jedi. But even then, you kind of loosely maybe expected something like that. Whereas, like, in no way did I even remotely expect <laughs> this person to be in this. So, like, I sat there going, oh, I, I assume this person's going to make a cameo in Solo. Like, I had no clue. Yeah. And, like, I mean, it's, it's it's not on the same page as Luke, I'm your father. But, I mean, this has got to be one of the biggest sort of twists in a Star Wars movie in a long time. Because, I mean, realistically, out of the, we all knew what was going to happen in the prequels. We all knew, like, each film, we knew what was going to yeah. build up in the story of Anakin. We've had guesses what's going to happen in the sequel trilogy. It's all been completely unique to us. But at the same time, Han Solo dying, spoiler alert, maybe that's it. But I think we all kind of went into that assuming one of the original three is going to die. Four, if you include three. So, like, I mean, there's, there's not really anything out of the last two proper chapters that we've ever thought, like, wow, big, big twist. So uh-huh. this, to me, is probably the biggest twist we've had in a Star Wars film since you and I have been alive, at least. Yeah. And, and what's funny is because, again, without giving way too much, it really is just a cameo that sets up mm. where you're like, okay, I can see, I don't even think they come right out and say, this is where the story's going. It's just you as the audience member know this is setting up something or someone that could be a bigger character in the next Han Solo movie. And they've already said, like, they, they have signed, you know, the actors are signed on for a trilogy. Uh, Ron Howard has come right out this past week and said, a sequel's going to happen if the fans want it to happen. It's not even about box office or anything else. Like, if people want the sequel, they'll make it happen. And I almost feel like the relevance in this story of that cameo and how it sets up a sequel is is so... It's so non-existent that 
this almost felt like something where five minutes before you know they had to uh, finish their their final reshoots, you know, a month before the movie's released. Ron Howard's like, hey, let's throw this in there because if people don't want a sequel, we'll give them a reason to want a sequel. Yeah, exactly. And well it, played, Ron. Yeah, and well it played. works because I watched this movie. I enjoyed every second of it, but at no point was I like, I really want to see Solo 2. If they don't make a Solo mm. 2, I'm okay. And as soon as that happened, I'm like, okay, I got to see where they're going with this. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really the last, what, like 15, 20 minutes really, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. like, that happens there and just just the loose ending that it has because yeah i i didn't i hadn't read much about this film i knew about the rewrites i knew kind of that ron howard was brought in i knew little things like that but i didn't go into this knowing that they've signed on for a potential trilogy i i just assumed this was going to be a rogue one mm-hmm. and this was going to be a one shot movie yeah because then i'm like oh, okay well they're going to be doing the boba fett one they're going to be doing you know an obi-wan trilogy i assume that was what their focus would be on and there's that other new trilogy that they're going to be doing with no lightsabers whatever crap that sounds <laughs> like it is but you know to me i had no clue so the fact that this kind of happens at the end I'm like, you know, like, wow. Like, imagine if you went into Rogue One not realizing that this kind of was a set like a minute before A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Like, right at the end when Leia gets the thing. What's this you got there, Princess? Hope. It's like, doing, like yeah. wow, I want to see a sequel to Rogue One. This looks good. I'm sure there were some people out there who saw that. Wow, what's happening next? Like, that's kind of like what this happens with this. I want to talk a little bit more about Alden Ehrenreich just because I feel like the public's been too hard on him for the littlest things. They're like, he doesn't look like Harrison Ford. Well, first of all, I've looked up pictures of like Harrison Ford in his early 20s, mid-20s, and they look a lot closer than people are giving him credit for. But then they'll say he doesn't sound like Harrison Ford. Um, Ewan McGregor doesn't sound or look anything like Alec Guinness, okay? And even when they got to Revenge of the Sith, they would throw little moments in there, kind of like the things that, that he has in this movie. Like there's a way that he stands as Han Solo that only Harrison Ford stands when he shoves his finger in somebody's face. There's the, the little things like that is what I picked up on because there's uh, this moment where he shoves his finger in like 3PO's face and Empire Strikes Back where I'm like, oh, that's almost exactly like that. But those are the only things I ever did with Obi-Wan. And like, I don't remember anybody complaining, oh, Ewan McGregor doesn't look or sound anything like Alec Guinness. And I don't know why it's so hard for people to accept that you have an actor coming in playing a character like 10 years earlier who's a completely different character at this point in his life and is just played by a different actor. When This isn't anything new. So, I mean, I've kind of been going on my way to, uh, I guess, defend the, the, the character before it even comes out. And it's funny to me that there's also so many people talking about, like even mentioned uh, Donald Glover. I'm like, if you actually look at Donald Glover compared to Billy D. Williams, they don't look that much alike. What he does get is he gets the arrogance, he gets the voice. But the mannerisms that I was loving that Alden Ehrenreich picked up on from Harrison Ford is what I was missing from Donald Glover. And I've heard so many people say, oh, Donald Glover nailed Lando. And the only thing I I kept thinking this entire movie, I'm like, there's something missing and I can't pinpoint it. And then I figured it out today. I'm like, Lando is always grinning ear to ear. He smiles nonstop in these movies, even if like he's doing something treacherous, he's smiling. And I don't think I saw Donald Glover crack a smile once. So I'm not being critical of Donald Glover. I think especially the voice, he he has it. But there are elements that you could easily pick apart in Donald Glover's performance as well. I just don't know why people are being so hard on Alden Ehrenreich. It's interesting. It's interesting. I'm squeaky now that you say that because, like, I mean, I I've never heard of Alden. I can't even say his name. Iron Alden <laughs> Planet Alderaan. Um, you know, I never heard of him before all this. Um, 
And it's like, I have nothing against him. I, I read a, a bit before this, one bit I did read before this, saying about how people were criticising him because they didn't think he was a very good actor in this mm. film because uh, he doesn't have a lot of acting experience. I mean, that, to me, like, he's a good actor. I don't think he's... I don't see that. I just... I don't know. There's just something about... Because, like, it's interesting you're saying about, yeah, I get that the the Ewan McGregor comparisons and yeah I for sure sometimes you do watch the prequels and you're kind of like oh that's not the same as he is in the original ones but I, I I can hear the voice I can kind of see some bits of it but isn't also there's like a bigger gap though isn't there like thirty years to play with uh, between the prequels and the the original trilogy whereas this is what like fifteen years before About ten or 15. a new hope is it not yeah but 10 I mean fifteen at the same time I mean you and it's been almost the same amount of time between Revenge of the Sith. And now, as it would be between Revenge of the Sith timeline and A New Hope, and I'm like, Ewan McGregor does not look Alec Guinness old yet. You know? <laughs> Damn it, Ewan McGregor, age faster. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know, like, it's just, I just couldn't picture it. That's the one thing, I, and I tried, the whole movie, I'm trying to picture him as Han Solo. And it's just, that's the one thing to me that I, I, just, I just couldn't see. And I, 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 I see it with Donald Glover and Lando. Like, you're right, though, with the looks department, no, they don't... He does not look like Billy D. Williams in the slightest. Um, he looks more like Billy D. Williams than Alden does. But, I mean, that... <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. But I, I, I see the mannerisms more with Lando. But he doesn't uh, um, smile! He doesn't smile! Also... I know, but, you know, he's in a sadder time because he hasn't <laughs> met Leia yet. Uh... <laughs> The one, though, can we just point out, the one that nailed their character, though, um, Chewbacca. I mean, he yeah. looked really like Chewbacca from the original. Like, I, I was, it was uncanny. Mm-hmm. That's good casting uh, by Ron Howard and the crew. <laughs> like, such good casting. What's his name? Junus Suatamu. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so good. Doesn't age Chewbacca. No. I mean, he, he's, you know, his hair is a little bit more unkept than it, than it was in the other movies. <laughs> Because this is a much looser, this is almost hippie era Chewbacca here. Yeah. But everything else is exactly the same. They, good, good casting there with the Wookiee when they put out like the, the we need a young Wookiee to play the iconic Chewbacca. Like, oh yeah, I'll do it. Good, good work. Uh, the one thing I do want to at least get your opinion on, like, uh, because I almost feel it's unfair that there have been so many comparisons with, oh, is he enough like Harrison Ford? But if you were to have never seen Star Wars, like. Alden Ehrenreich gives a really entertaining performance in this movie. Like, he's charming, he's charismatic, he's funny. And about his acting, I mean, I would struggle to find one actor in this movie who gave a really great acting performance. They all were there to kind of lend their movie star charisma to this movie because there's no depth in this movie whatsoever. I mean, it is just mindless fun for two hours, 15 minutes. There's not a complex plot. There's no real character development in the movie. It's not a movie that really needs that. But nobody's going to have an you know breakthrough uh, you know, Oscar worthy performance. But as far as entertainment and charisma goes, like Alden Ehrenreich's got that at the very least. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, I mean, I think this is a star making role for the fact that I mean, I'm just looking at his previous credits, and I mean, you know, I've not seen him in any of these films. So, um, and I don't think anyone's seen any of these films. I have. But I think... <laughs> oh, you're, you were a big fan of uh, Rules Don't Apply? Or... I, I got no, halfway I through that. that. But I, I did want to okay. say he made the movie Hail Caesar, uh, the, the Coen Brothers. And the Coen Brothers, of course, did like Fargo, The Big Lebowski, and um, uh, big, No Country for Old Men and everything. But Hail Caesar is by far one of the worst movies I've ever made. But you've probably seen the trailer <laughs> 
for this mm, um, yeah. with Ray Fiennes as a director trying to get the performance out of the guy who couldn't talk. Alden Ehrenreich was that guy who couldn't talk in there where he just kept slapping him uh, and saying, say the line like this. And and it's funny because Ross. I thought the movie was terrible, but Alden Ehrenreich was hilarious in it. Uh, and, you know, again, that that's kind of what gave me a little bit of hope that he'd be at least fun as Han Solo. But yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of experience coming into this. Well, I think, and I think this will kind of, you know, this is going to, he's going to be known as this now, surely. I yeah. mean, you know, it's no different to Hayden Christensen. I mean, you know, he, I think I'd seen him in, what was that Canadian TV show Hayden Higher Christensen ground. was in? Yeah, like I think that was like a 1 a.m. show that was here in Australia before, you know, Attack of the Clones. So I'd kind of loosely like, oh, I think that guy looks familiar. So, I mean, to me, this will, you know, be him for the rest of life. But, like, I've never watched Game of Thrones. So, to me, Amelia Clark is a new actor. So, like, that's, that's to me, my knowledge of her. And you saw Terminator Genesis. Okay. I've not seen Terminator Genesis. No? Oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> I, I really wanted to, but then I heard it was terrible, so I've just avoided it since. So lucky. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, she's new. But, like, that that guy, what's his name? Uh, Woody Harrelson? Oh, I think he's got a big career. Uh, so. I, I know him from something. Uh, White Man Can't Jump, my childhood <laughs> yeah. favorite movie. Ah, yes. <laughs> the, the the cast is, like, really good all around. Uh, I mean, Paul Bettany, who, you know, yeah. really was here as a replacement because when the original directors were fired, you know, they had to reshoot um, primarily, I guess, a lot of these scenes that he would have been in, and the original actor wasn't available. So Paul Bettany, who'd, of course, done A Beautiful Mind for Ron Howard and other things, they brought him in. And, like, I would say he's the closest you get to, like, a really, really unique performance in this movie. He's just playing a sinister villain, but he plays it, like, so nice and charming as well. It was it was kind of just unusual. Um, Amelia Clark, I mean, you should watch Game of Thrones. You would enjoy Game of Thrones, at the very least, for her scenes, Ben. Um, <laughs> You're only the 28,645th person to tell me that. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> But she also did like this romantic comedy a few years ago, um, Me Before You, which I, even though it was just you know, a really cheesy romantic comedy, I thought it was a great movie and t- totally wasted in Terminator Genesis. But again, it's, it's not that she's a brilliant actress. She just has that movie star quality. And you could say the same thing for Donald Glover, you know, how he's not a bigger movie star. I don't know. I mean, he, I guess was on a sitcom for years, which is one of the problems. And then you got like these smaller supporting roles like Tandy Newton, who we're going to be talking about in Mission Impossible 2, Aww. which I'm very excited about. Uh, I liked Tandy Newton. She was great. Just a random thing. She, um, I first knew her from ER. She was mm-hmm. Carter's long-term love interest in ER for a long time. I think that was just before she made it big on Mission Impossible 2. But, um, yeah, I've, I've got a bit of a crush on her. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to be excited to talk about her in Mission Impossible in a few weeks. Uh, and then, of course, Woody Harrelson, who's... It's almost weird that this this feels like the oddest casting ever in Star Wars for me because you do have some big stars that come on to these movies like Alec Guinness in the original trilogy, uh, Liam Neeson in The Phantom Menace. Uh, but whenever you get a big movie star coming into this, they're never playing themselves. And here Woody Harrelson is playing Woody Harrelson, which I loved <laughs> because I love Woody Harrelson, but it's one of the few things that probably takes you out of this feeling like a Star Wars movie. Uh, but I'd go as far as to say that this movie, I mean, it is solo. It is a Han Solo movie. But Woody Harrelson's right up there for screen time. And as far as stealing the movie, I mean, is there anything this man can't do? Um, I, I don't know. Um, I can't think of anything. Play a woman. Uh, he probably could. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it, it is like you had to have that, don't you? In kind of all the, the Star Wars movies, you've got that one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just, his character's fun though. I, I, I think it was the same review I read about, um, saying that, uh, Alden and Rick couldn't really act. They were saying that both Woody Harrelson and Tandy Newton are not on screen enough. Now, okay, <sighs> Tandy Newton, I can probably get that it's point. It's supporting. Yeah. <laughs> but Woody Harrelson's like got probably the most screen time. I know. <laughs> on Alden. I, I didn't get that review at all because I was expecting him to not be in it that much, but he's like in it so much. Yeah. And, um, I enjoyed kind of just how they played his character and also I liked sort of the twist that they have with it at the end. Um, and kind of just, he's a few things that he says ultimately that set up a few things that we know are going to happen with Han Solo between mm-hmm. this and A New Hope. So, um, yeah, I mean, what's not to like about Woody? This is what the third now Woody Harrelson film we've talked about with three billboards and white men can't jump. So yeah. Uh, I mean, just, we, just a great actor. We could do a Woody Harrelson year as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we'll just we start Will and Grace. Then he was a major character in one of the seasons of Will and Grace. And we could do cheers there. There's at least eight seasons yes. right there. You got lots of material. Uh, the one character that I had to talk about, and I'm not going to go too into detail on this, that I absolutely hate in this movie, and oh, for please all, tell me it's the same as mine. Well, for all the people out there who complain about Jar Jar, and I'm not one who hates Jar Jar. I understand the people who don't like Jar Jar, but I don't hate Jar Jar. I kind of hated Maz in the the last two Star Wars movies, but this takes it to a completely BB-8. different level. BB-8 in the the most recent one, definitely, but this droid L3. Yes. Oh, yes. do I ever hate this character? It is the terrible. worst character in Star Wars history. I'm putting this above Jar Jar. Agree. It's well, terrible. Okay. I'll I'll agree, but I don't like Rose. I hate Rose. So Rose is the bottom of the pile. Then Rose to me. But anyway, grew on me a little bit. But yeah, like terrible Ugh. character. What were they thinking? Yeah, I I'm glad you brought this up because <laughs> like. You, you kind of at the beginning, it's kind of like, there's like a little bit at the beginning. You're kind of like, okay, that's kind of cute. But then it just doesn't stop. Yeah. And you're like, this is like just, oh, I don't even know how to put this into words without, oh, it's just, it's 2018 method, you know, mindset put into yeah. a droid. Exactly. Um, and it's just so annoying. It, it, like, I agree with you completely. And it's kind of like, um, I mean, they seem to go out of their way now in these uh, spin-offs for there to be some form of entertaining droid. Because mm-hmm. we had, what was the one in Rogue One? The, K2. The K2. You know, K2, we like K2. Oh, yeah. Whereas, like, L3, like, god damn it. Like, I, I honestly <laughs> thought it was going to be the, the character at the beginning, the pilot. Yeah. Um, I thought that was going to kind of be our side sort of, you know, humour. But then L3 pops up and holy shit yeah um i'd rather a jar jar spin off than an l3 but i i, I can imagine that l3 is really popular uh amongst certain fan communities yeah. out there but jesus <laughs> christ well basically as we said anybody who has their political agenda uh or social causes that they want to fight for this droid is out there just every single line of dialogue is hashtag me too hashtag uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. I mean, this is basically what the whole point of this character is to create this Star Wars universe version of all these social causes, but it's so loud and obnoxious. And then they just get bizarre here where I'm not even getting mm-hmm. giveaway completely, but like it's something where it's, it's funny if this were a parody of Star Wars, but when you have a droid making comments about a sexual relationship with Lando Calrissian and 
it's one line and you're like, oh, that's kind of funny. But then it keeps going. You're like, oh, yeah, and then this. And, okay, and then and then finally it's like, uh, how would that even work? It's like, trust me, it could work. Like, you don't need this to go on for a five-minute conversation on how a man and a droid can have sex. So, like, this is, this is the most kid-friendly Star Wars movie we've seen since The Phantom Menace. And I can't believe they went this far with this character. It's so bad. Yeah, I was a bit taken aback by that comment. <laughs> like, trust me, it could work. Like, yeah. what? How? Does that mean C-3PO and, uh, you know, Obi-Wan? They got a bit lonely? <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre. Um, yes. oh. there, there are a couple of other, like, little cameos here. Uh, Warwick Davis is the one. You asked me if I knew about that mm. big cameo, and I didn't. But Warwick Davis... I knew he was going to be in this movie. What I didn't realize until after I saw the movie, uh, reading a story, is that everybody knows the Warwick Davis cameo in The Phantom Menace where he's playing himself, sitting there arguing with Watto when they had bet on the pod race. Apparently, this is the exact same character. That's what they came yeah. out and said this week, that this they, they have officially said that his character who was on Tatooine arguing with Watto during the pod race eventually left the whole crime syndicate and joined this, you know, uh, rebel-type organization. Even though he's just a cameo in this movie, I find it funny that, again, they're like, well, let's tie this into the other movies. So Warwick Davis is, I'm going to say, the first or the only... No, can we even say... Let's just not say how many characters appear in this that actually appear in other movies. But it's the most unexpected cameo crossover I think we've ever seen. Um I mentioned there well, was the... that and the Jar Jar Binks cameo, which sorry to spoil everyone, but I mean that's the one yeah. we were talking about before well, when Jar Jar Binks is revealed. When you come in on L three three seven and she's having sex with Jar Jar Binks. Oh, we weren't meant to say <laughs> that part. Lisa forgot to wear a condom. <laughs> Yusa said this would work, and Yusa right. <laughs> Misa pregnant. <laughs> Misa too. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's a campaign with the Gungans. <laughs> oh, the other thing I just thought was uh, interesting with this was how much action the movie had because mm. I, I didn't expect it to be just like wall to wall action and in a good way too because maybe this is what Ron Howard coming on really helped with because he has so much experience and all that but the trailers showed a lot of like little chase scenes and everything but there are two action scenes in here that i swear go for like half an hour each i mean there's the one that everybody's seen in the trailer which is that train that kind of you know can spin upside down a roller coaster type train which is a huge sequence in fantasy and, I, and that's actually earlier in the movie than i thought it would be and i was sort of thinking there's no way they're going to top this and then you know there's this big chase scene in space we have because we are going to get the millennium falcon and we are going to get a space chase and that one, again, ran for like 20 minutes, but that's what really sold me on this movie. Like, that's what would push me to potentially buy this movie, not as my review, but just in the future when I buy this movie. I'm like, I want to watch that sequence again. And on top of that, the music they include, like, that sequence mm. basically becomes, let's throw as many little music cues from all six movies in there as we possibly can. Uh, hands down, like, my favorite part of the movie. And, uh, you know, there's so much going on there, too, but also just being, I guess the first big time we get to see Han Solo pilot the Millennium Falcon. I mean, that was of all the little moments where they're like, let's show the fans where Chewie and Han met. Let's show how he got the name Solo. Let's, uh, you know, show the, the Kessel run and uh, the meeting of Lando. This was the one point where I'm like, I was totally sold on this. Like seeing Han Solo in the Millennium Falcon the first time. Amazing. 
to me it was the chewy introduction i mean like i mm. kind of you knew it was going to happen but it kind of i didn't realize it was going to happen the way it did but yeah i completely agree with you and i think the thing that this film did better than any of the two chapters we've had from disney is actually have unique action pieces i feel yeah. like uh that train one as you mentioned that's just so unique that was awesome and the kessel run like i had no idea what to expect when it came to the kessel run but just kind of that um that moment through space and you're mentioning like the tie-ins of the music i i didn't know how you were going to react to it i thought maybe you wouldn't have liked it oh no but um i love the bit like when they're going through that kessel run and we because one of my favorite pieces of music from star was maybe my favorite piece is the asteroid chase yeah. in uh empire so like they kind of have a bit of a callback to that uh, and I just love that that stretch of music. Uh, so yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. And I mean, it that the one thing that I said like with criticism with this film was that like so many of these action pieces just kind of happen, and there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of explanation as to what's going on. Particularly the train sequence, I, w- I found myself like half a second. Wait a minute, what are they doing? I, I don't know. know what they're yeah. doing. <laughs> um, but I mean, if you can take that away from it, like yeah, they're they're they're, they're I'd probably say the most unique. Um, action pieces we've had in any of the Disney Star Wars films to date so far, particularly the train one, hands down. So, yeah, I agree with everything you said. And also, one of my complaints about people just being too harsh on this movie because the whole idea of a spin-off is to create something different, and maybe because Rogue One was so closely tied to the story of A New Hope that people are blinded into being like, this is just like the original movies, but Rogue One in no way feels like a real Star Wars movie. Uh, even when they made it, they said, we wanted to make something that was like Black Hawk Down in space. Like, they intended to make it its own genre. And that's what I think Ron Howard really did well with this. Uh, and where instead of people being so critical, being like, oh, well, it doesn't feel like Star Wars to me, just be like, hey, this is a Star Wars movie with a different type of tone and genre. Because it, it kind of was this weird combination of like an Ocean's Eleven movie crossed with like a Western in space, like a real Western in space. And that's something that we haven't seen in Star Wars before. I mean, Star Wars kind of has its own genre uh, on its own, and it is, is its own tone. And this felt like kind of a classic movie set in like a galaxy far, far away. Uh, and that's one of the things that makes me kind of excited about this spin-off uh, arm, if you want to call it, of the Star Wars universe, is just being able to do completely different types of movies that aren't really like Star Wars but are set in the Star Wars universe. And we're talking about Mission Impossible a lot because we'll be in a few months, but that's sort of the way that Tom Cruise always looked at the Mission Impossible movies. The reason he wanted different directors for every movie is because you would have Mission Impossible 1, which is like you know a real, real hard espionage movie, and then Mission Impossible 2 would be like a Hong Kong action movie, and then Mission Impossible 3 would be like you know, this, this uh, modern spy uh, action movie. And then four would be this big stunt spectacular. And that's what I want to see more of. And I would love it even if the, the next Star Wars movie is nothing like this. It's not a heist movie. It's not a Western. They just take a completely different genre. It's a romantic comedy. You know, it's rules don't apply. <laughs> well, wasn't um, that Attack of the Clones? Yeah, exactly. The second act of Attack of the Clones. But that's what can be fun about these spinoffs is that they'll all be completely different from each other. Solo 2, A Star Wars Story. Han Solo doesn't like sand either. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And I think um, I read a review which they kind of like, and it's almost like an Indiana Jones in space. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, this felt like I, Indiana Jones too. Yeah, and, like, I agree with that because, like, we have a notion of what Star Wars is. But even if you kind of look at each of the chapters, they've all got their unique flavor to them, don't they? So mm-hmm. I think that you've got room where you can do this and um you know i i kind of initially went into this 
you know, Mallory was planning to see this with me. And, you know, she's like, well, I haven't really seen the Star Wars movie. And I'm like, well, you could probably go into this and not need to know anything. Yeah. And I would have, like, Mallory could have easily seen this film and not had any knowledge on anything to do with Star Wars. She knows who Chewbacca is. She knows who Han Solo is. You know, she knows there's a Millennium Falcon. She knows who Woody uh, she Harrelson is. A clue at- yeah, well, I, I think she knows who Woody Harrelson is. Um, but <laughs> you know, the, the, the cameo might have been lost on her. But, like, I mean, yeah. like, she could have easily gone into this and nev- not known it. And I think that's one important thing about this is, like, anybody's not seen Star Wars, but for starters, stop listening to our podcast and go watch Star Wars. Like, this is not entertaining. Go watch Star Wars and come and listen to this. But, like, when you have seen it, like, you could easily watch this having never seen it. Like, Last Jedi, eh, no. You, I mean, God, just don't talk about that film. But, yeah. yeah, I think that this is definitely... It's got so many elements to it that it's not just, like, a Star Wars. I mean, you could just go into this and not even put a Star Wars sticker on it and it would be an entertaining film. Uh, a couple of complaints I did have about this movie, and uh, you can add to this if you want. Uh, one, there are some kind of weird plot holes. Like the entire plot of this movie, basically, it's, it starts as Oliver Twist, like the the whole Corellia thing, which I thought was you know kind of cool. Like orphan kids under a crime boss that just makes them steal things for money. But they set up this whole Han Solo universe as that everything is a you know the underworld is all about the value of trading hyperdrive fuel. And that's kind of interesting because it's not something you would have thought of before. It's it's like in Rogue One with the ki- the kyber crystals or whatever to, to make the weapon. That there's something that's really valuable and a regular Star Wars movie wouldn't do even a subplot on, oh, here's this thing of value. But the fact that this is just fuel and you see the amount of ships there are, like I struggled not with this being the whole point of the heist stealing fuel, but more when the Empire does get involved in this movie, like, there's even a point where Han Solo's like, they're not going to send one ship after us for a little bit of fuel, and then they send about 16 ships after them, and you have pilots dying left, right, and center. And it doesn't really make sense to me, because this would be the equivalent of, I don't know, like, you know, the Taliban uh, deciding to sacrifice 150 of their you know, uh, top lieutenants or whatever for 40 liters of gasoline. Like, it doesn't make sense. The stakes of this movie aren't nearly big enough to involve the Empire. You you know Star Wars is trading on plot hole jump the shark territory when fuel is involved. We saw yeah. it in the fucking Last <laughs> Jedi, all right? Like, you know, we went through seven chapters where fuel is not even mentioned. Yeah. Then all of a sudden it's like, hey, here's a good plot twist in Star Wars. What if they ran out of fuel? <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Like, let's not. All right, the more and more I think about that plot in Last Jedi, the more and more it pisses me off. So, like, it's, yeah, it's a bit weird. And, like, I think the thing that I kind of liked about the early parts, and we mentioned about Han Solo being part of the Empire, is I kind of liked those bits of the Empire because, like, there's one bit in there kind of when Han Solo joins the Empire where you've almost got that, like, we want you recruitment yeah. video. And there's, there's always been, like, joke memes on the internet about, like, join the Empire! Like, you know, joke ones. So we kind of had that in this movie. And they and have a play on the it. Imperial March as the, the propaganda yes. film music. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, like, you would expect that this would actually be a thing. Like, after the Empire takes over, they would kind of have to have this. So I kind of like the fact that we get this, you know, part of the Empire where it's almost like we're watching this film as part of the Empire now because we've never had a movie purely based on something to do with the Empire. Yeah. So I like that. But yeah, you're right. Like after, for five, ten minutes in this kind of, not necessarily humanizing the Empire, but at least kind of getting a different side of it, it's all of a sudden like, oh, there's George and Shane and Ralph and Craig. <laughs> they can just go over and get this tiny little bit of fuel. Yeah. 
Like, ah, oh, they're, they're disposable. Who really cares about them? And the amount that this heist is for, too, because that train sequence happens early on, and they're basically trying to steal, uh, like, an entire train car. Let's say that would be the real-world equivalent. And this leads to, we got to do something bigger than that. And what they walk away from is something you can hold in a briefcase. <laughs> and yeah. I never really quite figured out how that worked, either. It was just kind of weird. <laughs> And they go on about, like, how much of an explosion this will cause. And, like, we see at one point it exploding, and it's a biggish explosion. It destroys yeah. a bit of a mountain, but, like, it's not like it's a planet destroyer. Yeah. Like, That's like, how oh, Alderaan that was okay. lost. Like, somebody yeah. somebody accidentally <laughs> dropped <laughs> their their gas jerry can, their, their fuel it was jerry can. It coincidence. That, and, like, let's be honest, the Death Star never worked. So there's somebody yeah. on the phone yes. on the Death Star... <laughs> Uh, George, we're about to blow the laser. Can you just, can bless you. Uh, can you just drop the, <laughs> the gas? What is it with our respective partners sneezing in the background? Of that the wasn't car? Jamie this time. <laughs> anyway, the joke died. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Valerie. You ruined my joke. Uh, a couple other small complaints I had about this. Um, so, I mean, Chewie's great in this movie. Why Chewie actually sticks around, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, they meet each other, and that, that meeting is like, like it's one of the few moments of this movie where you're like, I'm going to remember that, and that is, even people who hate this movie, like, that's canon to me, because that's how Han and Chewie met. But then why Chewie sticks around for this entire movie, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. For that matter, why any of the characters stick around, you know? Like, the the relationship that they have with uh, with Kira, the uh, Amelia Clark character, and Han Solo is one thing, but how she kind of gets thrown into this heist too doesn't make sense to me. Lando, like his part, I mean, there's times where I'm just scratching my head, like, what is he doing? For the most part, let's just say it. Even Han Solo does not belong in this movie. Like, at no point does Han Solo need to be in this movie once halfway the, the, the halfway point of the movie's reached. So maybe a little bit with character development is lacking in this movie too. Um, yeah, and then the ending. I'd agree with that. I, I also the ending you know we have that that big space chase which is amazing and i actually like the stuff that happens after the big climax is more like a western showdown it's not about the action it's about like the showdown of the characters but it definitely runs a little bit too long uh and even after you get that big moment with the cameo it's like okay we still got 10 minutes of this apparently <laughs> so even though i was never bored at this movie there were points during like the final act where i was definitely like okay let's speed it along a little bit it's like two hours and twenty minutes again, isn't it? Like it's a it's a long mm. film. Um, the, the, I'm glad you brought up that Millie Clark's character because like the, this is this and this is probably more of a, an in depth discussion when we eventually do a, a recap of this. But there's a gap in between when you see her character and when she appears again. Yeah, it's just so random. It's like what? And like then she's just there. It's like hi, oh, I'm back. Okay, get in the car. Uh, like it's like it's like what? Like it just to me that was one of the plot things where it just it just made no sense. Like the the kings of coincidence that that just happens to be there. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely that bit to me was like what the actual hell. And it's funny you're saying about you know like Star Wars is kind of fueled, isn't it, with like random you know why do these people hang along? Like why the fuck does Jar Jar stick around after yeah. a certain point? Um, but. The thing um, with Chewbacca, like, because we get like a couple of other uh, Wookies in the film, 
I think seeing the Christmas special has ruined Chewbacca for me. Yeah. I'm just expecting, like, his wife. Like, what did they say at one point? Like, Chewie's got to go find his other Wookiees or something like that. I'm expecting him to say, like, his wife and Stinky or whatever the little kid was called. And, yeah. Like, well, yeah, because... Like, no! And I, it's funny because they've kind of toyed with making the holiday special canon in certain ways. Like, uh, I can't remember if you were the one that found that the B. Arthur's character from the holiday special is now written yeah. in one of the new novels. And yep, yep. I felt like they were maybe dancing around that a little bit because uh, there's obviously that shot in the trailer where you see Chewie hugging another Wookiee. And as you said, there there is a point where there's Wookiees in this. Everybody assumed that was going to be like Chewie's wife or whatever. So I'm expecting Mala to show up here, you know, stir, stir, whip, whip, I, I whip, almost, whip, stir. I, I, weirdly, I weirdly would be okay with it. I yeah, I know. It would be kind of funny. But, like, it's, uh, it's, no, it's no doubt with the cameo. Like, with the people who hate the prequels, they're still going to love this cameo no matter what they say. Yeah. So, like, I kind of feel that all of a sudden they're like, whip, whip, stir. Like, <laughs> well, that's why like, oh, yeah. I Fair was enough. happy when, and again, it spoils nothing in the movie unless you're going to say that, you know, a five-second throwaway line is a spoiler. But when Chewie's basically communicating something and, uh, you know, Han's like, oh, he says he needs to find his either family or tribe. I don't know what the word he's saying is. And like, oh, is there a difference? And they kind of just leave it at that. And in a way, I feel like that, ah, they're leaving it open, so it might be Mala and Itchy later on. <laughs> the one the one bit, and again, this isn't really, I mean, it's sort of a spoiler, but it's not. It's a quote said in the movie, but like, at the one point when they say that Chewie's like 190 years old. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, well, I mean, that was always in the backstory that like, Wookiees were 200 years old or whatever, which is why we oh, see Chewie even in Revenge of the Sith, you know, he's, he's obviously a grown Wookiee at that point, but... Uh, there's a big Chewy backstory that we don't have. Um, I don't Where know, is that Chewy spinoff? <laughs> you know what's funny is that uh, there's um, a comic website or, or app, I guess, app slash website that uh, I subscribe to. It's called Comixology. And usually before a big movie comes out, they'll have like huge sales on graphic novels, like digital copies or whatever. And they had ones for both the Han Solo, Chewy, and Lando spinoff comics. So I kind of got those and were reading them last night before the movie. And the Chewy one, like you would think... It's not that interesting to read Chewie who can't talk even in a comic, but I'm like, I really want to know Chewie's backstory. Like, I want to see Mala and Itchy or whatever else it's going to be. Like, Wookiees are an interesting culture, and, and especially now that we've seen Revenge of the Sith to this, and there's a huge difference. You're like, well, how did Chewie get there? You know, he was, well, obviously we know the, the Empire enslaved Kashyyyk and everything, so how did Chewie get where he is, and what happened to the rest of his people? We need the Chewie spinoff. I don't spin-off. think any- I don't think anyone would complain, honestly, if they did, even if it was all subtitled, which, I mean, look, mm. that's the one problem that the uh, the Christmas special didn't have. They didn't subtitle the Wookiees. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I honestly think that that would be a really popular film because, I mean, Chewbacca is kind of... I've never met anyone who does not like Chewie. Yeah. And, like, everyone who doesn't even know Star Wars knows who Chewbacca is, and they know the... Like, they know it. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I think that... I, I would be down for a, a Chewie spin-off. I think kind of... Between him and what R two D two really hasn't had a backstory, has he? Except like being on a <laughs> the ship when the boo was getting attacked. That's yeah. about it. So yeah, R two D two Chewbacca spin off. Uh, were there any other moments that you didn't like in this you want to talk about? Because I kind of ran out. I mean, there's only a handful of things I didn't like. Like I said, it feels a little bit fan fictiony at times. But other than that, like anything I'm missing. Well, I mean, Rogue One was essentially a two-hour fan fiction film, so I think yeah. all of these spin-offs are going to be that way. Uh, not really. I mean, the, the opening stuff kind of... I didn't like that weird... What even was it? That character that Han Solo, like, um, 
was like the boss of him at the beginning. That oh was yeah, the, the Oliver Twist. Yeah, uh, I actually really like that alien that we saw, Lady Proxima. The only bit I liked was like when he's like, "I'm holding a thermal." No, 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 you're not. You just yeah. made a clicking noise and holding a rock. <laughs> you just made a clicking noise with your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that bit was funny, but I don't know. Like that was just kind of okay. Um, no, I, I think everything else I think we've covered really. Um, you know, uh, it's it's. I just think people need to go into this like if you have low expectations, you're probably going to come out of it liking a lot more. I mean, again, yeah. as I said, I like this better than Rogue One, and I know a lot of people love Rogue One, but to me, Rogue One doesn't really do much for me until the last half hour of the film. So, yeah, I I I know we're not to a review yet, but I mean, I, I might even say this is maybe the best Disney one they've done so far. I don't know. It's between this and The Force Awakens, but I mean, there's not really a whole lot to choose from. But, <laughs> That's competition. <laughs> But I mean, you know, yeah. Between this and the Force Awakens, to me, it's the best one that Disney's done so far. Also, just to uh, wrap it up, the fact that we've complained so much about like Force Awakens, even Rogue One and Last Jedi, just not really getting interesting environments for planets, not getting those great alien looks that we would normally have. Like this movie's full of it. This is the Ron Howard's yeah. the first guy to understand Star Wars is mostly about atmosphere. And every planet we see looks unique and interesting, and all the aliens we see here look like classic aliens. That that Completely he really agree. got, yeah, yeah. And I think that, and I, I read a bit about um, Ron Howard. I think you know, looking into a lot of George Lucas, and they're friends, aren't they? He and George Lucas are friends. Oh yeah. So he he knows him, and I think you know we've talked a lot about people giving George Lucas shit, but I mean again, you know we've defended him as well so i think that yeah you're absolutely right i think this has definitely got a feel about it that they just haven't captivated yet so far in in you know any of the disney ones particularly the last jedi fucking casino planet i <sighs> uh, can i just say people go and watch they've just released i think this week everything wrong with the last jedi the youtube channel and the guy nails it like everything every complaint that everybody has he just nails it perfectly so like that is the, maybe the best video i've ever seen of everything wrong with the last jedi it's perfect so um yeah but uh i agree with everything you just said then so then buy it rent it or bin it i'm gonna buy it i actually you know again i didn't really think this this would happen but i mean it's, it's maybe sort of a middle to low buy um, you know, because it's definitely got some things about it, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's far more enjoyable than I was, I was ever expecting it to be. So, um, yeah, I I am gonna buy this film. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna do the same. Uh, and I don't think that it's an amazing movie. It's it's a it's a good movie. It's fun. There's problems with it, but it's something I definitely want to see again. Funny enough, I I probably watched the Last Jedi more on multiple viewings just out of curiosity to see will this movie get better <laughs> and i'm not rushing out to see solo again but like Has i think it? <laughs> uh, some things did but i will say i eventually did buy even though i rented it on the episode i did buy the last jedi and i watched the first 40 minutes of it and that was like a month and a half ago and i don't think i've watched it since so well uh, you're still actually getting through it a month and a half ago you're about a third of the way through the film at the moment so yeah I, i'm slowly at five minutes you know each night and i'll eventually be done the movie by the end of the year but with with this one, yeah, I would like to own this one. I think this one's worthy of buying. It's worth paying for. Uh, one other thing I should mention, the cinematography kind of sucks in this movie, especially if you're seeing it in 3D. It's like very cloudy and kind of going for that Western look, and it doesn't look great on a big very screen. Dark. But uh, you disagree or are you agreeing? No, no, I'm just saying it's very dark. It's, yeah. it's a dark. It's like, dark and like, yeah, 
kind of dull looking and it's an interesting look but i think it would be interesting look on a tv more than a big screen but yeah i'll buy this one as well so uh better than the last jedi already <laughs> yes well i think it was better than the last jedi already in the first five minutes of it it's like oh there's no little kids with brooms looking at the star using the force <laughs> no mary poppins layer and this is pretty much all we're gonna have to say on star wars now until what a year and a half from now <laughs> when episode nine comes out uh, we'll be talking about about the same time as we're talking about James Bond. Get excited! Yeah, yeah, something I'm already more excited about than Star Wars, which I never thought I would say there would be anything I'm more <laughs> excited about than Star Wars. But uh, I, I guess you did the Deadpool review recently, so that one's already out there if people want to listen to it. Which is a very short one. Like, I mean, you think with Mallory and I on there, it would be long, but I mean, this one's what gone for about an hour or so. Whereas yeah, the Deadpool one literally goes for about half an hour. I think the difference is, is that there's not a whole lot in Deadpool really to criticize. It's, it's mm. a, it was a good film. It's exactly what you expect to be a Deadpool. There's really nothing wrong with Deadpool too. So, uh, it's a, it's a good movie. Go and see it. And the review is just the same. Have you seen it yet, Colin? <laughs> I haven't. Um, hopefully I'll Go see, and it. see well, it. I know I'll see it before oceans eight comes out, which is probably in the next one that we see. I don't know if you're planning <laughs> on seeing oceans eight or if that's just going to be me and Jamie. I um we, we're about to record it and we're about to talk about it, but uh, no, the next film that I've actually already bought tickets for is the week before Jurassic World Two comes out. They're showing the original for only ten dollars at the cinema nearer. So Ooh. I said to Mallory, I'm like, yeah, I'm buying tickets for us to see this. I don't care what you say. So the next movie I see is going to be Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Screw. And yet another Jurassic Park review coming to you soon. <laughs> Ben's like everything yes. I said before. Still same opinion. Thank you yes. for joining us today on the Oz Network. <laughs> No, uh, I, I, don't, I think maybe realistically, I mean, I've not seen any of the Oceans movies, so shoot me. Oh. Um, so probably realistically, besides Jurassic World, the next one I'm probably lining up for is Ant-Man vs. the Wasp. So, um, which can I just say, there was an amazing poster at the cinema. It's like, all it is is like you see this like poster and it's white, it's just pure white. And you think like, oh, they've, they've lost a poster or something like that. And you see down the bottom, it says Ant-Man and the Wasp. And then you've got to go like, really close to the poster and they've got like a tiny little Ant-Man, a little wasp on the oh, poster. Oh, it's really amazing. Clever. It's so funny. I really like that poster. And I saw the new trailer before this too. And that, it I, looks I, good. It looks great. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely see Ocean's 8. So we'll have a review of that. And, uh, then eventually Ant-Man and Mission Impossible and all that. There's lots of stuff coming out this summer. But the main thing is still Jurassic Park, Jurassic World Month, which we uh, just put up the Lost World episode, which was fun and especially fun to pick apart all the problems with the last half of the movie that Ben seems to ignore. And it's going to be reverse roles this week as uh, Ben picks apart all the things wrong with Jurassic Park 3 and I defended about how much I love Jurassic Park 3. So that's the next one we have. Eventually leading up to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, so that's coming up in a couple of weeks as well. Anything else I'm missing? Uh, no, I think you've done a good job. Survivor finish, which is sad, but moving on. <laughs> but what a finish to Survivor. I read about it. I still haven't watched it, but I did read about it. The fact that something happened that we've been talking about for years, and yeah. it finally happened. It's the one season that I kind of gave up on some five <laughs> episodes in, so... Yeah. This is why I binge-watched for <laughs> the last five episodes right before the finale. I've just caught up on Blue Bloods. I'm about to catch up on Designated Survivor, then Unreal, then Survivor. Oh, Unreal. <laughs> There's one we definitely have to cover in the future. Uh, yes. But anyways, that's it for Solo, and I'm glad I didn't have to do a solo review of it today. Uh, so we'll be back <laughs> with all the other Jurassic Park ones and everything else to come, and then eventually a year and a half more Star Wars. So uh, my name is Colin, and uh, I'm going to need a nickname because I ain't saying that every time. And my name is Ben, and...
Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.